You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. 7 verses 13 to 20. Um, All right. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you with they come to you in sheep's clothing, but in, inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, we will recognize them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Angie. Uh, I haven't actually introduced myself yet. For those of you who don't know, my name is Brad. I am one of the pastors here at CA Church, and I'm excited to be with you this morning. For those of you who've been with us for a while, we've been walking through Um, a series called A New Humanity, and we've been looking at what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, um, basically chapters 5 to 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, where, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and other people who've gathered around to kind of explain, it's kind of, I've, I've explained it as an inauguration speech. He's kind of explaining what his kingdom looks like. And for those who are going to be citizens of his kingdom, uh, what, he, what he's calling them to, what it looks like to live as citizens of his kingdom. This is a very interesting uh, text, and it's just this week and next week we're, we're landing the plane. Jesus has come to his conclusion, and he talks about a narrow gate, and he talks about what it looks like from the outside, and, what it, and, and a broad gate, and a broad way, and what that looks like uh, from the outside. This week I was, I was driving my, my sporty Chevrolet Spark cruising, you know, windows down, cruising with the music. And uh, I looked at my, my side view mirror and I saw this fly while I was driving. I'm like, man, and he was like, like this, just along my window. And I was like, wow, this fly, this is incredible. I've never seen a fly do this before. He is thriving. He is living his best life. And then as I came to a stop sign, I noticed that the fly kind of went like this and I realized it wasn't a fly, it was a spider. My immediate idea was, man, this fly is amazing. While I was thinking, this fly is amazing, the spider was going, ah! It was all about perspective. It seemed like it was doing well, looked like it was doing well, but in the midst of his traveling, he was freaking out and barely hanging on. Jesus is finishing his sermon here, and he is, he's hit his followers pretty hard with a call to a, a new kind of life. He says, listen, I I know the kingdom I offer to you seems small and it seems difficult. And because of that, I know some people are going to ignore it because it it challenges, well, today we say it challenges your autonomy. But in Jesus' day, more so, it challenged their ability to, to, to boast about their own righteousness. But this way leads to life, Jesus says. In fact, this way is life. Throughout the the last two chapters we've been going through, Jesus has been describing two kinds of people. He's been describing two paths, uh, two different groups. There's the pretending group who gets everything right on the outside, and then there's the one whose heart fully belongs to God. 
And he says, this pretender group looks like they have it all together. But in the inside, they're barely hanging on. And in Jesus' immediate context, this would have, would have been the, the spirit of the day, to follow the rules of the law, to, to know the Ten Commandments off by heart and recite them in front of people, to pray on the corner so people would see how righteous you are, to, to, to throw out some tweets and videos about, about you feeding the poor and how you're doing. See, I'm taking hashtag feeding the poor. Things like that. And you would do it in front of people so, so people would assume your inside is as good as your outside. Well, today if we're going to, to, to throw this into our, our present cultural moment, today public religion looks very different than it did back then. Today, the wide gate that Jesus is talking about, the wide road, would probably be, like I said, the religion of authenticity or the religion of autonomy that says, I need to be true to myself. I need to be me. Don't know what that is, but I need to be it. And I need to live freely. I need to live fr freely with my body, with my relationships. I need to be unhindered by any sort of authority, any sort of religious idea uh, and living out my true self. This is the wide path. This is the one where I get to kind of call the shots. But this is what Jesus says. He says, beware of wide gates. Beware of wide gates. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, so it looks like the right way to go. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The wide gate is popular because it requires no self-discipline, no, no thought for the future, no thought for others. In fact, it's maybe better if you don't think of others and you don't think about the past or the future. Better to place other people in society kind of in second to your wants and your needs. The word for narrow in this text, in the Greek, is a word stenos. It, it implies not that the, the gate is too small to walk through, it's just that it's not popular. It's narrow because nobody's interested in going into that gate. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, someone pointed out, I either have to have Tim Keller or a G.K. Chesterton quote. G.K. Chesterton says this, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried. And I've seen that with, with many people. Uh, when Carl Sagan uh, was alive, a, a scientist and um, astrophysicist, and he was, he was asked why, why he would not follow Christianity. He said, well, because then I wouldn't be able to sleep with whoever I want to sleep with. That's too difficult. I don't want to do that. I don't even want to look into the truth claims of, of Christianity because it would mess up with my autonomy. But Jesus says everything that, that the wide road promises is not true. Appearances can be deceiving. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. The wide gate looks great, but it ends up narrowing and it ends up suffocating. It looks good because it requires nothing of you but to take full control of your life. I don't know about you. When I hear that, that actually makes me really anxious. <laughs> take full control of your life. It's all up to you. That makes me scared. It's good Apparently, because it's me-centered. It's good because it appears that there are no consequences. There's just fulfillment. I can leave a marriage when I'm bored. Or if it just requires me to, to do some real work, I can, I can stay unattached from community that asks anything of me. I can live unhinged from God, who, who has authority over the cosmos. I'm on my own. I can do it myself. But see, that's a narrowing. That our life becomes smaller and smaller as we try to claim all these things that we, we've labeled as freedom. It looks wide from the outside, but it's narrowing in reality. 
leaves us outside of community when tragedy hits. Who do we go to? When we, when we try to carry the burden of meaning on our own shoulders, we, we find the path is narrowing and it's actually burdensome. Trying to come up with an identity, trying to stir up a reason to have peace or a reason to have hope, that's narrowing. Everything on the wide path is built to break down, let down, and weigh down. In the the early 1960s, it became public knowledge that the car manufacturers, specifically Ford, were building their vehicles to break down or become obsolete within two years. It was called planned obsolescence. The goal was to keep people buying and believing that they needed the next best thing. The head of of design for Ford, a man named George Walker, said this. He said, we design a car to make a man unhappy with his 1957 Ford about the end of 1958. The very products that were meant to bring freedom were rigged to break down. Why? So people would continue consuming. Pay for little fixes here and there. Keep getting things fixed on their vehicles or just finally give in and buy a new one. They were built to make people feel dissatisfied. I mean, it's a good thing we learned our lessons. I mean, it's a good thing we're never worried about our phones being obsolete. It used to be that we would feel a gap in our life and then a product would come along and we'd go, oh, they filled a need. Now, once a year, Apple will tell you, you, you didn't know you needed this. But I don't, know how, I don't know how you're going to live without this. And then we all crowd their stores and get the next product. Some of us who are addicted to video games on our phones, we know the theory, we know the psychology behind it, we know that the game just holds our interest enough, to, and oh, I'm about to give up, and then it'll throw some gems at us. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, okay, i got to keep going now. We know it. We know how they work, and yet we still walk down the road. And we might say, oh, this is freedom just to play this game. It, I'm free. Can you come here? We need your help. The house is on fire. (laughs) That's the road outside of God's kingdom. It's moving uh, hit to hit because they are all rigged to break down and never fully satisfy. The way we learn about relationships these days in a hookup culture, they're, they're built, they're designed to never fully satisfy. They're rigged to break down. So whatever it is we decide to, to, to give us authentic, authenticity or, or autonomy, whatever will fully express that we are the only authority in our lives, we have to cling to that because that's all we have. That's the road that we're on outside of Jesus. That's the road we're on outside of the kingdom path. The wide gate promises big, but it is rigged to break down and to enslave us. It blinds and confines Jesus will remind his disciples of the same idea later on in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 16, he says this. He says, um, says to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my, but my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Unlike the, the wide path that, that leads to narrowness, Jesus says the narrow path actually leads to life. In other words, all that the, the wide road promises but cannot deliver comes through the narrow entrance. It's counterintuitive, yes. Just like the entire Sermon on the Mount has been counterintuitive. The broad gate begins wide and it narrows crushingly as we go. But the narrow gate 
that the kingdom of God offers widens and becomes more beautiful as we go. The narrow gate, the kingdom of God, is like the entrance of, of Narnia. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Chronicles of Narnia, which, I mean, let's have a conversation later. In what is technically the second book of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy are, are playing hide-and-seek in, in, in Professor Dig Diggory's uh, mansion, and they're trying to find a place to hide, and Lucy quickly jumps into this wardrobe, and she thinks, oh man, Hopefully they're not going to open this because otherwise I'll, I'll be found, absolutely. But as she gets into the wardrobe and begins to, to walk through, she tries to get to the back of the wardrobe and finds she, can't, she never, doesn't reach anything. And she's, she feels the fur coats brushing against her and then eventually she starts feeling pine needles from trees brushing against her. She feels the crunch of snow underneath her feet and she walks into a wood that widens and widens and widens and she explores and then her friends come or her, her brothers and sisters come in and they realize there is a whole world in here to be explored that has existed for ages. It's where they find Aslan, the Christ figure. This is what the narrow gate that Christ offers is like. It grows more and more as we explore Jesus at work in our lives. And it, and it brings us into the, the presence of the eternal. Jesus says, walk the narrow road that leads to life. The path starts narrow and grows into eternity. While other, other paths promise big things but will crush you in their narrowness. That's the, the first part of what, what Jesus says. And, and if you can kind of imagine a, a carnival barker that's inviting you to go into tents with, which have different things in them, and they'll say anything to get you in there, he, he moves on. He says, Be, beware of, of, of fruitless trees. In, in verse 15, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their, how are we going to know? By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So if they are like thorn bushes or they are like thistles, do not take what they are offering you. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Sometimes I feel like Jesus is talking to children, don't you? And I'm glad. Say it one more time, Jesus, because I'm trying to... Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, in Jesus' day, there were, there were three kinds of people that were considered false prophets who would be given that kind of label. They would be people who worshipped or served false gods, those who falsely claimed to receive messages from the true God, and those who wandered from the truth and ceased to be true prophets. They were just kind of making it up. The idea of sheep's clothing is that false prophets looked like insiders. They looked like people who were concerned for the weak, but their intention and the end of their path was destruction. They look like they're on your side. They look like they have your best interest in mind, and they declare how welcoming and inclusive their path is. Today, the public voices that that declare that Jesus is the way, that his way is too narrow. In Jesus' day, they were the Pharisees. Today, it's not the Pharisees who are saying that the Jesus' way is too narrow. Today, it's a push to conform. Today, it's a push to stop holding any sort of objective truth, to, to relax on sin and morality, not simply to, to choose the wide road, but in fact, narrow to, to, to board up the narrow road. We don't want anyone going down the narrow road. 
And if you try to go down that narrow road, that's an affront to the wide road. That's why the road is narrow. That's why not too many people want to find the narrow road. And in a temptation to be relevant and to be liked, to walk without direction, we're often in danger of leaving the road of life and choosing the wide road. Entire church denominations have chosen the wide road in order to not be pushed back on. Jesus says, be careful to soberly judge those who promote a wide path. He tells us to look at the fruit of their lives. Is there evidence that leads towards life? Or is there evidence that leads towards death? I would invite you to use that frame next time you're looking through your social media. Does, is the telos of this leading towards life or is it leading towards death? And I mean that quite literally sometimes. What do they promote? I wonder if Jesus maybe had Psalm 1 in mind here. I think I have it up there. I'm going to read it out of my Bible here. Psalm, the entire Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, in the path of the wicked, or stand in the way, the road of the, that the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, the path of the righteous. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction." There's so many similarities there. Do you see some of the similarities there between what Jesus has said and what this psalm says? The Hebrew poet here talks about, about trees with good fruit. He mentions a way. He mentions two ways, actually. The path of the wicked that leads to destruction and the path that delights in God and his words, the narrow path. There are there's some important questions that we need to ask as we are continually invited. We are conti- I don't care what path you, you walked in on today. We are continually invited invited to the wide path. We are continually invited back to the narrow path. Where does this path, where does this ideology lead? Is it aiming towards life or death? Does it promote physical, emotional, and spiritual flourishing, or does it aim to put a stop to it? Does it aim to to board up the narrow gate? Does it sterilize or does it produce life? And so the kingdom of God will always be on the side of life. Its telos will always be leading to flourishing. It'll be, it'll be for life of children. It'll be for honoring our bodies that we were given. It will be the New Testament writers were always on the side of a, a sexual ethic that promotes life within a covenant of marriage. And that will best support and protect that life. The church has always been for the long haul of walking with people, even when they're not seen by society as being essential to the community. People of God will always fight for them and fight for life. And so the church will always bother people on the wide path. We will always bother people on the wide path. If we're not doing it because we're just irritating people and we're doing it because we're following Jesus, we're doing something right when the world doesn't like us 
it means we're possibly looking like Jesus. Not always, but possibly could mean we're looking a lot like Jesus and following the narrow path he called us to. There's many people that are standing by that wide gate and declaring themselves as saviors, saying, I just care about you as they're zipping up their sheep costume. I just want what's best for you. Jesus says they're, they're wolves, they're butchers. They're saying, take the shortcut, follow your heart. Rid yourself of anything that might be a hindrance to you being your truest self. And don't worry about the past. Nothing good came from the, before you. Just burn all the bridges of the past. Who cares what you were given? And don't worry about the future because we have the technology to build bridge, new bridges when we get there. So don't even worry about that. Jesus says, be very careful. Those who are pretending to be sheep are wolves. They, they peg you off one by one. They peg you off, we could say today, online community by online community. And drag you away. Preaching another gospel that is not a gospel. And it takes wisdom beyond our own. It takes, it takes living in the path of life and planting ourselves by streams of water which yield fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. And we de delight ourselves in the word of God. That doesn't just mean scripture. It means that delighting ourselves in what God has ordained over our lives and what he wills over our lives. That is the path of life. So here, here's my, my final thought on this. Here, here's the thing. Jesus makes it very clear there's no third path. He doesn't give a third option. There, there, there's, there's no third road. There are two. All roads, regardless of the sign that's on the highway uh, entrance, if they are not the path that Christ has ordained, they lead naturally to death. They are rigged towards death. That is their telos, their ending point. That's their design. And so if you are here this morning and you would say, I'm a Christian, Maybe you found yourselves on the wide path at times. Maybe you find yourself leading towards the wide path today. You're trying to take an off-ramp from the narrow ramp, from the narrow way. Because stepping onto this path has meant, when you step onto that wide path, it means there'll be, it'll be easier to be accepted by peers. Less chance someone's going to get mad at you. Less chance you're going to get canceled. It'll mean I don't have to keep my head down. Jesus says that path leads to destruction and it leads others to destruction. There's no life at the end of that path. There's just a crushing narrowness. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And maybe you're visiting here this morning. Maybe you're not a Christian. And you, you've been okay to walk the wide path, but you, you've noticed that the, the promise of the path have come up short. Your experience doesn't match the pamphlet you were given. It promised so many things. There's just going to be rides and hands up in the air. Then like the slingshot ride that Lelani and I like to watch, watch people pass out on the slingshot ride. It's, it's a sad pastime, but it's like, that is not what I signed up for. Ah! <laughs> then you come to and you start screaming again. That's the way it's rigged, that you keep going in and you're strapped in and you can't get out. It's proven itself rigged for destruction. And for you, the quick fixes along the way have been addictions. Maybe they've been just giving in to anger and frustration. 
Maybe it's your, your way of rigging your life on the wide path has just been to shut other voices out and shut community out and shut other people out. Translation, amen. I would say to both of you, Jesus invites you to take the off-ramp this morning. The off-ramp to life. You can, you can call it, I think mama's a good... The off-ramp is repentance. The off-ramp is confession. It's a desire to follow the path of life. And if you're wondering, you know, Jesus, how can I trust you? I, I took these pamphlets, I went down this wide path, and it didn't pan out. But Jesus, of all people, why would I invite you? And if you're wondering, I will say this. Jesus can be trusted because he is the gate. John chapter 10, verse 9 says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. But he's not only the gate. He's also the path. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I'm not, it's not rigged. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, unlike the false prophet standing at the wide gate and offering you, you promises to keep you addicted and blind, his path is rigged to life. And to life eternal. If you want to judge whether he can be trusted, whether or not he is a false prophet, look at the life of Jesus. One New Testament writer writes this in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer, the first one, and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, Jesus went through the narrow gate of death so he could offer the wideness of life to us. He was crushed for our transgressions so that we could experience the wideness of his grace. He pierced through the power of death at the cross, and in doing so, he, he made for you and I a way to follow. That's the invitation of the gospel, that God has done the work to burst the narrow gate open, to give true freedom that has already been purchased, true identity that you don't have to create yourself, true freedom that is freely given. Yes, the way is narrow. Yes, it's exclusive. But the invitation is for everybody. Everybody in this room and everyone to whom you are a conduit of the grace and hope and identity that only Jesus provides. Let's pray. Jesus, many of us come here this morning and we're tired. We're, we're tired from running down a road that promises so much. And like, like that, that spider on my, on my side view mirror, we, we feel like we can't disconnect. We're just, we're so attached to it, maybe through addiction or, or anger. It's the community that we've, we found a home in. But that, that promised life has proven to be crushingly narrow and disheartening. And at times we feel like we can barely breathe as it narrows. And so we ask for your reviving, life-giving path. A path created by your death and your resurrection. A path created by your power as you, as you mapped it out ahead of us. And you invite us to follow into life to the fullest.
And so we confess this morning. I confess, we confess, in big and small ways, many of us have made our way down the wide path that leads to destruction. We've listened to wolves who pretend to have wisdom but simply promote the path they are also enslaved to. Only you can save. We declare it. Only you can save. Only you have the words of eternal life. Only you are the gate. Only you are the path of life. And so we ask in humility and nothing of our own. Lead us back to you. We thank you that you are always a good shepherd. You're always excited by our return to the narrow path. You're always ready to embrace us. And we pray that you would firmly plant us by springs of living water that bring refreshing that we, we've, we're longing for. Sustain us as we walk the narrow road, paved by your redeeming and saving work on our behalf. We thank you. We rejoice in that. And God, if we need to do some repentance this morning, we thank you that on the other side of repentance is a God who is ready to embrace us, always and without exception. That the narrow path has never walked alone. Some of us just need to be filled with your spirit this morning to give give us eyes to see and to be sustained by your spirit. And many of us in our hearts and minds, we declare to you, we're taking the off-ramp off the wide path and we're getting on your narrow path that leads to life. We pray this in your name. Amen. That's one of the main ways... Uh, we, we revisit the narrow road and remind ourselves of the, the wideness that this narrow road actually welcomes us into is, is in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is the most ancient of, of all Christian forms of, of worship, and it was given to us by Jesus himself. When he was meeting with his disciples and he was, was sharing a meal on the night that he would be betrayed and, and, and unjustly uh, thrown into a trial... He was sitting with his disciples, with his closest friends, and it says this in, in Matthew chapter 26. He says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, his friends, and he said, take it and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Another telling of this this narrative is that Jesus asks his disciples, his followers, his friends, to eat this meal until he returns, to eat it with us again. And so as we take communion together, we declare this path. We We declare where this path is leading leading to to a returning king. It leads to God's kingdom. It leads towards a wider and wider understanding of God's presence in our lives. So this morning, if you are a Christian, you are welcome to take part in in our communion this morning. This is not the the CA Church or Town Center communion. This This is the Lord's Supper. You are welcome if you call him Lord. 
If you're not a Christian, I, I, we're glad you're here, but I would invite you to just let the, the, the bread and the, the cup pass you by today. But it would be my hope and desire that the next time we gather and have communion, you would take part because it would, it would, it would represent what, what your future is and it would represent that you are, are on the narrow path that Christ has called you to. And if you want to know more about that, I'd love to talk to you after the service. So we're going to continue in worship and uh, first, we're going we're gonna to hand the, the bread throughout. And once we are done that, we will all take the bread together. And then following that, we will hand the cup out as well. But right now, Marika and Silas are going to lead us in worship. I will say also, there's some, uh, glu- a gluten-free option up in the corner there, if you'd rather grab that.
Scripture tells us that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed and arrested, he took bread and he gave thanks to God. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat. Again, we're going to hand the cup out and then we will drink together.
scripture again records that in the same way, after the meal, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes. Amen. Let's drink. Jesus, we thank you for purchasing for us a new way of living, a new way of seeing the world, the past, the future, and the present. We thank you for all that this meal proclaims. And now as we're sustained by this meal and all, the, all its proclamation, may we live anchored in this story, tethered to you, abiding in you, and living out the very story we just celebrated in our bodies, through our life, and how we live in our relationship with others. If there are things that we need to do today, Father, things we need to do to bring reparations, to seek forgiveness, give us strength through your Spirit to do so, for your glory, for our well-being. Pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.